0: Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, if you have your Bibles today or you have your app, I want you to open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. I've got a real message I feel like God has challenged me with, and I want to challenge you with when it comes to your legacy. What your life will be known for? You know, my, I'm a firm believer. that I don't believe everybody's called to be on this stage or everybody's being called to to some kind of uh, outside, you know, ministry in a church. But I do believe that God's called you to leave a legacy that'll count, a legacy that'll make an impact in the world around us, and you have a part to play. And I want to show you a story today of a guy who's kind of an obscure guy in the Scriptures. You know, you don't really hear a lot about him. Actually, right now I'm I'm writing. A a book that hopefully we're going to release next year. And I was talking to my kids about the book and I was telling them, you know, they're about the story. I said, The story is about a guy named Joseph. I said, There's two Josephs in the Bible. I said, Do you know which one I'm writing the book about? And my daughter, uh, Lily, who's with me this morning, she's like, Oh, Joseph, who, who gave the tomb to Jesus. I said, I, I don't even know what Joseph you're talking about. I was talking about like, there's Joseph, Jesus' his dad. There's Joseph in the Old Testament. I was like, whoa, okay, never, never mind. There's three Josephs in the Bible. So let me talk to you. I want to talk to you today actually about that Joseph. You have your Bible. He's actually in all four uh, passages in the gospel. He's a guy who we learn, learn through the different gospels, different things about him. One, that he was a disciple of Jesus, but he was a disciple in secret. So we know he wasn't the big preacher. He wasn't the guy on the stage. He was kind of the guy, behind the scenes, but he does something super significant, and he does something significant on a very significant night, and a night where the life and the world was very dark. This is the night that Jesus dies on the cross. You see, we would probably ask a question today. He's going, why in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of this craziness, are you preaching a message on legacy, on generosity, in the midst of such turmoil? And I would say that it's during the midst of turmoil that our legacy matters the most. It's in the middle of of this chaos that the world can really see what the church is all about the most. And our generosity makes the biggest impact. And you're going to see how it happened on the night that Jesus died by a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Here's what it says, uh, Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look at verse 57. It says, as evening approached, there came a rich man, say rich man, Rich man from Arimathea. Come on, some girls, you need to underline that and say, I declare that. I'm I'm claiming that in my life right now. A man from Arimathea and a rich man in Jesus' name. I don't know where that came from, but just, 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 some of you just need to claim that verse in your life right now. (laughs) Call it in. (laughs) All right who himself became a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate. Now, Pilate would be the governor of that area. So he went to the highest-ranking government official of that day. He proceeded over the, the death of Jesus, and he asked for Jesus' body. What did he ask for? Oh, come on. I haven't been on this stage in about four weeks. Y'all, y'all got to help me out. He asked for Jesus' body. We could say it this way. He asked for the body of Christ. He, 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 he cared for the body of Christ. His, his, his desire when the, light, when the world was darkest was, his, his concern was the, the body of Christ. Something for us all to learn. And he said it this way. He wrapped it in clean linen cloth and he placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out of the rock, his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of it in the entrance of the tomb and He went away. One significant act in the midst of the darkest time in human history, and the world was changed because of this man. You see, this man built something that Jesus would end up using to be the very thing that he would come out of the grave three days later and become victorious over death, hell, and the grave. You have no clue what is on the other side of your sacrifice. You have no clue on you inviting that friend to church, of you helping that person at Christmas, at you walking with a life of generosity. You have no clue. I I don't believe that Joseph knew, oh, This is my moment to walk in generosity that'll change the world. I just think Joseph knew at that moment, the best thing I can do is to care for what God cares for. And history now is talking about this one man who had one act of generosity that changed the world. And I think it's what God is calling us all to do in this moment. You see, there's moments that we have to get kind of a realignment we have to realize, especially in a Christmas season and a season where we, we, it's very easy to have kind of a pity party because of how bad this year has been, to make it all about us. But let me remind you, Christians across Tampa Bay, those that are joining us from around the world, uh, Church Online, let me remind you, it's not about you. It's not about us. We are only here to make a difference in other people. We have all of eternity to celebrate. We have this time in our life to make a difference in our world today. Can we give God a little bit better praise than that if you agree with me? We're here to leave a legacy. So let me tell you how Joseph of Arimathea did it. And I'm just gonna give you a few quick points that I think will help you. The Bible says it like this. It says, as evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea. Now, That phrase, a rich man, is only used one other time in the scriptures, and it's used about the guy who came to Jesus, and they call him the rich young ruler, who came to Jesus, and they said there was a rich man who came to Jesus. Now, most people only know that passage. They don't know this passage. So they would say to you, hey, this man came to Jesus, and Jesus told him the only way to follow me is to sell everything you have and follow me. And people miss the point of the passage, they think the point of the passage is that you can't be wealthy and follow God. That is not the point of the passage. I'll show you that later on in our, in our passage. It has no, it has no your, your net worth does not determine if you can be a follower of Jesus or not. There's this poverty mentality that people go, oh, I just, I, if I wanna be a Christian, I have to be poor and I have to be, you know, I have to give everything away. That's not what it was about. Jesus understood with that man that it wasn't that he had wealth, it was that wealth had him. Jesus understood that no man can serve two masters. That listen, it's not a bad thing to have wealth. It's a really bad thing for wealth to have you. And and, and Jesus was telling that rich young ruler, hey, you want to come and follow me? That's great. You just can't have two gods in your life. And I have no problem with Radiant Church. I want you blessed. I want you more blessed than everybody else. I want you to have the best stuff that you could possibly have. You know, buy what you want to buy. Just don't let that be your God in your life. Let Jesus be your Lord. And, and I love Joseph because Joseph gives us a story of a rich man who had great possessions, but he honored God. And I think it's an example that we can all follow. So here, here's point number one is simply this, is that you have to understand that we have been blessed to be a blessing. So if God has blessed your life, you want to leave a legacy, you have to understand that you've been blessed to be a blessing. I love my, I have five kids now. I've been waiting to say that the last couple of weeks since we had our fifth one. But I have five kids now that are eight and under. Pray for me. Please, we're taking up a special offering just for my Christmas gifts for my kids. After this sermon, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, it's funny. I, I, I love it. I love telling people everywhere I go. I have five kids because they're always like, Ugh, "Something wrong? Like, what's the deal?" I'm like, "Just love my wife," you know. So anyway, I'm joking. I'm joking. So uh, I mean, I do love my wife, but so we have five kids. They're a lot of fun. So quarantine was you know terrible in a lot of ways but it's such a blessing in a, in a lot of ways too because we were able to hang out every day at our house for months on end, and so we come up with really creative ways to have fun. So we have a red wagon that my kids we bring to the beach with us. And so we bought this red wagon on Amazon. So you throw all your stuff in this wagon, you can carry it on the beach. Well, you know we weren't going to the beach because it was all shut down. So my kids decided to uh, reuse this wagon. And so let me tell you about my house. Um, uh, I live out in Brandon, so we have this big slope. Like from our driveway, it goes, it slopes all the way down. Then it goes to our backyard, and then it keeps sloping all the way down to the backyard. So my kids came up with this creative idea, I got a video of it, where they would get in the wagon and they would uh, put their little helmets on and they would go down the hill, um, and and this doesn't look fast, it's unbelievably fast. And they go down the hill, they avoid our little workout center there, and then they go all the way down our backyard, all the way down, I think it zooms in right there, all the way down to the very end of the backyard. I want to say I'm very proud that they wear helmets, okay? So no injuries yet, yes. Uh, It was very fun. So what I think is so great about this is it's a fun adventure for them as the kids. The red wagon is their way of having fun down the hill. Here's the thing that I want you to learn. That is a great use of the red red wagon. That's not its intended use. Follow me for a second. It's a lot of fun, It's not what it was made for. It's not wrong, but it's not its ultimate purpose. Are you following me? So when it comes to your finances, let me just take the guilt off of you for a little bit. It's not wrong to buy a boat. It's not wrong to buy a nicer house. It's not wrong to upgrade your car, get a nicer outfit. It's not wrong. But hear me out. As a believer, it's not the intended use. The intended use is that God blesses your life to be a blessing to the world around us. And if we're going to leave a legacy, let that be our default that anytime, there is a promotion, it's for a purpose. Anytime that there is a raise, it is for some kind of experience, some kind of blessing for the world around us. This is what the Bible tells us. Paul says it this way, you will be enriched, you're going to be blessed in your life in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I want you, on every occasion that you can think of. And through your generosity, here's what's going to happen. People are going to get saved. They're going to go through next steps. They're going to come to church. They're going to go to the North Tampa location. They're they're going to find God. It's the most important thing. They're going to give thanksgiving to God in their life. And we've messed this up in the world today because we think it's all about the upgrade. It's the upgrade. It's the upgrade. I want to live my best life, my best life. Man, you should get the picture. You're on the boat. You take a picture. You got the, the, you know, the boat. And you're like, this is my best life. Let me, let me clarify, write it down in your notes. The best life is a life spent being a blessing. This is what we have to remember as our church. God's the best life he has for you there, Brandon. It's not the upgrade, even though the upgrades are great. It's to, to be a blessing to the world around you. First Timothy says it this way, command those who are the Joseph of Arimathea's, who are blessed, who are rich in this present world. And they, he, said, he says, don't be arrogant. Don't boast about it everywhere. Don't put your hope in that wealth. It's so uncertain. But put your hope in God who what? He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You can go out on a jet ski and not feel guilty. You can buy a nice house and not feel guilty. Just understand that is not the main point because the main point is command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds so that they may be generous and willing to share. Our default when it comes to our finances should be that of generosity. That is what God has for us. Why? In this way... When you're generous, you will lay up for yourself treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age so they take hold of the life that is truly life. So here's how I practically apply this in my life. I want you to write it down this way. It's simply this. If, you, if God gives you more, just do more. Just do more. You may, let it be your default. That if God's blessed your life, I know a lot of people are suffering right now across our, our globe, across our nation, and in our church But there's a lot of people, you have been super naturally blessed in this season. And if God has blessed you, my default in my life is that I want to live in such a way that I understand the red wagon is fun going down the hill, but it's not the intended purpose. The intended purpose is to bring stuff on the beach. My intended purpose in my finances, as fun as it is to go on a vacation, as fun as it is to invest in my kids' college education, i got to save it for a lot of them, and a lot of weddings, and a lot of those things. I get all of that, and I'll do all of that, but my default is general because I want the world to know Jesus. Come on, give God better praise than that. Here's the second part. So the story goes that, that, that Joseph of Arimathea, he, he's blessed, and he's a blessing to other people. But then he has this point that is so crucial. It says, going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus's body. Now, remember when I told you, Joseph of Arimathea was a private Christian. So he had not gone public, maybe because of his position in his his business or his government. He was not the public guy about this. Maybe it was because of fear of his life. But all of a sudden, something gripped his heart so much that he could no longer stay silent. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Number two is that you've got to understand when it comes to your legacy that the greater the cause, the greater the commitment that you should be able to evaluate your life and understand and go, hey, if I'm committed this much, then the cause better be that important. Here's what I found with the world today, is you have a lot of people who are very highly committed to a lot of things that the cause is very, very, very low. Oh, and I can't get my kids into church because they're in this sport and this sport and this sport. Your kids aren't going anywhere in sports. Can I just be honest with you? Like, like, I I love it. Like, I love it that they're involved in that, all that stuff. But can I just encourage you to get the cause of them getting into heaven? It's way more important than the cause of them getting on that next travel team. Like, let's make it a big deal to put God first in our life. I I went and I had this moment where I uh, played golf a couple weeks ago and I haven't played golf in a long time because I'm terrible. I'm just really, really bad. And so um, I played golf a couple weeks ago, and when I did that, um, I had this moment where I realized, I go, oh, I had made a commitment like six months before, the last time I played golf, that I would never play again until I got lessons. (laughs) So I'm complaining, and I'm telling this to my brother, like, I cannot believe I'm even playing again. I I have gone the last six months, I haven't played, and now I'm here playing again, and, and I'm terrible at this. And Aaron's, and my brother was like, Aaron, why are you beating yourself up about this? Like, yeah, you're bad, but you just had a child. Like y'all are trying to launch locations. You're, you're doing all this stuff with the church. You're, you're, you're kind of a busy guy. And I realized, I'm like, you know what? My commitment's not high because for me, the cause is very low. And honestly, if I can be honest, when it comes to golf, I'm a New Testament golfer. I don't believe, I don't believe in the laws and the restrictions. I'm a grace golfer. Like you kick the ball once in a while. You're not counting all the strokes. Come on to glory to God. Like he, he doesn't count my sins against me. I'm gonna do the same thing for my strokes and, and golf. I'm, I'm a grace golfer so because, the, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, because the, the cause isn't high, then, then the commitment's not gonna be high. Here's my encouragement for you. There's some things if you evaluated your legacy you are hyper-committed to, and the cause is so low. When it comes to eternity, when it comes to making an impact in other people, you're more infatuated with those things than the real things that God has for your life. Reassess what is the cause that's driving your life. We have to evaluate this thing, because guess what? That cause is your legacy, and, and, and I get it. I get how important fantasy football is, but let me be your pastor. Your kids are a better cause. I get how important, I get how important that, that, you know, golf is and tennis is and football is. Your marriage is more important. I get how important it is to build your business, but I'm telling you, being involved in your local church, it's more important. We got to remember the cause that matters most and we got to evaluate that as a church. Joseph of Arimathea has a cause that awakens him and he is, what is his cause? It's care for the body of Christ. It's care for the body of Christ. In the time that the body of Christ, Jesus' body was broken and hurt and beaten, what happens? Joseph of Arimathea steps in. And I want to remind you today, it's a, it's, a, it's a cause worth being a part of. First Corinthians tells us, now that you are the body of Christ, so his physical body is, is in heaven, but now we're, we're that body of Christ. And can I be real with you? I mean, Radiant Church is so healthy, but the body of Christ as a church as a whole, globally, it, it needs some help. It, it needs us to advance it and to build it and to bring life into it. We're the body of Christ. You have a, you have a part to play in this body. And some of, us are, some of us are the mouth, and some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet. We even have some rear ends at Radiant Church. Can I get an amen? We, we got them all here. But we're committed to this. And let me just say it this way. The church is a cause worth committing to. I'll say it again. The church is a cause worth committing to. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus himself in Ephesians 5 says Christ loved the church. Don't tell me the church isn't important. Christ loved the church. Look what he did. He gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water through the word, and to present her to herself as a radiant church. Right there in the scriptures. You know what it shows me? It shows me that the church is a cause worth committing to. Why do we do, why do, we do Legacy Sundays? Why do we invest? Why do we give? There's so many great causes. Because I believe this is God's plan A for the world right here. I wrote it down in your notes this way. The church is God's solution to man's struggles. I don't know what struggle it is in the world today, but when it comes to right now, we're providing gifts for kids in foster care and we're helping uh, build churches around the world and we're doing outreaches all over. Why? Because the church is God's solution to this. And that is why we give financially towards the church. And I know it's a weird thing to talk about, but I truly believe this. Write it down in your notes. This could be your one-liner of the day. Ready? You can't serve God and money. We know that. But you can serve God with money whew, that's a good line right there. And a lot of people are sitting there and they, they mess up this thing. If God's blessed you, maybe it's just because he wants you to serve him in a greater way than ever to build the church that he's called, you, called us to build so that we can make an impact for eternity and it should cost us something. Let me give you one more quote that I just think will challenge you. C.S. Lewis said it this way. If our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, this is one of those, ooh, a little bit, convicting quotes, but I think we need it today. Luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those of the same income as our own. We are probably giving away too little. Wow. It should cost us something. Our, our, our cause is so big. Look what else he says. He says, if our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot because our charitable expenditure excludes them. What a line right there. Katie and I have lived with this phrase for a long time that we choose to just live a little more simply so that others can simply live. So the church is all about. That's why we give. You go, well, can you imagine all the things I could have bought with that money? I gave think of the legacy you're leaving. Think of what we're doing. We are Joseph of Arimathea's building the church of God, taking care of his body. I think it's his number one priority. Eight years ago, my wife and I had a call on our life to leave. Everything that we had was comfortable. We had a a five-month-old baby who's now eight years old sitting here in the front row and, uh, and a demonic dog that's gotten delivered and now given away since then to God be the glory. (laughs) Sat down with my pastor on November, this time eight years ago. And I sat down with him in Pensacola and I said, Hey, I'm gonna have to resign from my job. Katie's gonna quit her job. We're gonna to move to Tampa. We don't know anybody, but we just feel this is what God's called us to do. We're, here, we're, we're called to build the body of Christ, to take care of the body of Christ. We don't know how to do it. We feel like God's called us to do it. It was the biggest step of faith we ever taken with our family. So I quit my job. The next morning, my mom calls me and said, Aaron, I want you to, um, I wanna go take you to breakfast. So I was like, all right, I'll go to breakfast. So uh, free, free breakfast is always good. So. We go sit down in this little diner in Pensacola. She starts talking to me and she's, and I know she's watching, her and her husband we watch every Sunday. And uh, sitting, we're sitting down in the diner, we're talking about how freaked out I am. And um, I remember as at that moment, at the end of breakfast, she goes to pay for the check. And she says, hey, and I just, I want you to know I have something for you. And she reached into her purse and she pulled out a check. And it was the first time I'd ever seen the words radiant church on a check. It was for $500. And I sat there and she pulled that thing across there and she handed it to me. And it was the first time anybody ever invested in this church. And I remember sitting there thinking. I made a commitment to God. First of all, a couple things. One, I said, like, God, if you, if you keep doing that, first of all, I'll be, I'll be a good steward of whatever you give us. But I just want to raise up a bunch of Joseph of Arimathea's like my mom. Who, who's not in full-time ministry, who doesn't have a stage, who works a job, and she just knows that her life is to build something that's going to outlast her. And she realizes as God blesses her, she's going to be a blessing. And I'm not one. I'm only one of many stories with her life. And I think this, listen to me. I know we're about done. I think we're going to be shocked in heaven who gets all of the, the focus. Because I think you're gonna think it's all these famous people on stages and TV that heaven's gonna celebrate. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's the Joseph of Arimathea's behind the scenes who said, I worked my job. I did what God's called me to do. But when God told me to be faithful, I was faithful and I built something bigger than my life. I think that's who God honors. I think that's who God celebrates. So let me close out this story and you can help me up here, Pastor Jim. The, the story goes that he placed him in his own new tomb. Now, I'm not a builder, but if I were to build this little tomb, you can imagine what life was like for him to be sitting there. This is He cut it out of a rock. Okay, you got to think this. Like, like this is before chiropractors. Like he, the dirt all underneath his nails. And, and he's there day after day after day building something. that he's like, man, one day I'm going to be in this tomb. I'm going to be looking good. I'm going to be looking out. Like this is a rich man's tomb right there. You go to Israel. They have like the, the kind of the tombs. They show you what it kind of looked like. Because this is a big deal that he built something like this. But he has a moment when the cause captures him. And he realizes, whoa, 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 what I'm building is great, but maybe it's for a bigger purpose than me. And he has this moment, number three, write it down in your notes, that our lives should build something that will outlast us. That he has this moment going, I can be in this tomb, and that's a win. Or I can give this over to somebody that'll outlast us. And now 2,000 years later, we're still talking about his one story of sacrifice. And I want you to know today that God has blessed us and and he he has gifted us and he's used us so that we can build something that'll outlast our life. He says it like this, Paul says it this way. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, I want you, we're not here to talk, it's not about finances, it's about your life. Are you building your life? What your life is building is, is it a wise thing? Is it something that'll outlast you? But someone else is building on it, but one should... Build with care. Use your life to build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one they've already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. It's just going to burn up because the day will bring to light. It will reveal with fire And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, guess what? If they build something that outlasts them, then here's what happens. The builder will receive a reward. And I want you to know, as good as the rewards that this world has to offer, they're nothing like the rewards that God will bring us one day. He'll reward you both here and in the life to come. I'm telling you, that is what it is all about. So as you evaluate your life, can I give you this challenge? Let your life, let your marriage, let your family, let your career, let your job build something that will live past you. C.T. Studd says it this way. Last note that's in your notes right there. One, only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last what a legacy statement right there for all of our lives i want my life to last i wanted to build something beyond me so we got our, our 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 tomb he builds this thing and it doesn't really make sense i mean this is the best we can get for a tomb all right we got it up here so he builds this thing, and, and you know what? This thing was very regular. There's tombs everywhere, but Joseph's was different. You see, it wasn't about the fact of what was built. Hear me out. It was about how it was used once it was built. Come on. Whew. So it's not about you're building some kind of different business. It's the business that you're building. How are you using it? It's not everybody. You know, marriage is common today. It's how are you using the marriage God's giving you. It's, it's the kids that are in your life. It's about how am I using those kids for a greater purpose. It's not about finances. Finances are regular. It's that I'm going to take something that's common for the rest of the world and put it into an uncommon purpose, which is building something greater than my life can ever build on its own. When I put it into God's hands, when I build it for Christ, when I make my business about him, when I make my marriage about him, when I make my life about him, what is common to the world becomes uncommon because now it's something that lives past our life. At every location, come on, stand to your feet. Let's make a decision today to say, God, use my life, use my business, use my career, use my finances, use my family. Come on, let's make a commitment all over Tampa Bay to say, God, we want to be used for you. For something that'll outlast us, get our eyes off of this world and onto the world to come. Let us build something that one day we will be rewarded because we did it for you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, sing it out! Thing across Tampa Bay is that people make a commitment to give their lives to Jesus. Your life is so common until it's handed over to God, and He uses you for a greater purpose. I want you to know He's not done with you. You haven't sinned too much. You haven't screwed up too much for you to change right now, for Him to forgive you, and for you to now leave a lasting legacy that God's called for your life. That's you today. Across Tampa Bay, I want to give you the opportunity you say, Aaron, that's me. I, I'm not living for God, but I want to. I'm ready to commit my life. I feel like the, God is drawing me right now in this moment to give my life to him, to surrender to his lordship, to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to give him my sin, my past, my future. I'm ready to commit my life. I believe God's drawing people right now. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up. Ready? One, two, three, come on, throw those hands up all over, I see hands all over here in South Tampa, those in Brandon those at Heights, those at St. Pete, let's pray this prayer out loud together at every location say, dear Jesus, come on all of us say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life I give you my past my present, and my future forgive my sins today I make a decision that I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, come on, can we celebrate those that just made the best decision ever? Here's what I want you to do. You just made that decision you need to go to our, on the way out, we have a great tent. We have someone that will pray with you right there. We want to help you take some next steps. God's not done with you yet. He's just getting started. We're so proud of you, Radiant Church. And hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to end this service by worshiping God through our generosity. So if you got, you got tithing envelopes and you came in, if you want to give that way in person, you can fill that out right now. I know a majority of our church gives online. If you have those tithing envelopes, we're not going to pass a bucket because we are in the midst of a global pandemic. So on your way out. You can drop them on your way out. But here's what I want to do. I want to pray in faith that as you give to God today, that it's a Joseph of Arimathea decision. It's one of those decisions to say, you know what? I'm putting God first. I'm honoring God with something in my life. I truly believe he'll bless you for it. If you can't give today towards legacy, you can give right until the end of December 31st. And I'm truly believing we're going to change the world together. Radiant, God's just getting started with our church. For seven years in, God's just getting started with our church. I can tell you from the behind the scenes, we've never been healthier. And I've never had more vision for this future than I do right now. We are going to take over the world in Jesus' name. Thanks for being part of it. Let me pray for you as you give at every location. And then your location pastor is going to take over. Lord, I pray a blessing. Lord, I thank you that your favor is on those. Lord, the Joseph of Arimathea, who have worked hard with their jobs, Lord, they, they've worked hard with their business. They've built something, but God, now they're building something for another purpose. Lord, it's not what they built. It's how they use it. Lord, and as they invest in legacy today, I pray that they, you would pour back into their life, into their family, and into the generations to come like never before. I pray that blessing over them. I thank you that as they sacrificially give here in service or online or throughout the week or throughout the rest of this month, that you would bless them. And now we pray right now in the name of Jesus for our church. As we go into this next year, I pray that this next year would be the greatest year of salvations, of discipleship, of deliverance, of restoration, of relationships. This next year, would you do something supernatural through Radiant Church? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.